There we go. Hello. Oh, wait, all right. There we go. You there? I am. The following episode of Geeks and Beats contains language or subject matter that may be unsuitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Sorry, what was that? I'm lying in a puddle of my own sweat. So how are you keeping cool with your beverage? Because every episode has to include a beverage. I have a brand new bottle of Black Cow. Have you heard of Black Cow Vodka? What is Black Cow? It's made of cheese. Wait. <laughs> it's it's just that does it pour in lumps? <laughs> Seriously. It's from England and it is made of a specific type of cheddar. And it has a sort of creamy taste to it. You put a little bit of uh uh, ice in it that dilutes it just a little bit, but uh, oddly enough, it pairs very well with certain types of cheese. I don't have the cheese with me, but I do have the the black cow. I saw some guy in, in Singapore at a, at a Gordon Ramsay bar actually introduced me to it, and I I found it at the LCBO, and I was like, hmm, hmm, this is very good. Can you only get it at the National Cheese Emporium in London? <laughs> oh, what the cat's eating it? Fancy <laughs> cheese, sir. Gouda? No. Edam? No. Caseless? No. No, I, I ran across it at my local vintages, so uh, there's there's my um, there's my plug for the vodka this week. And and you? Uh, okay, okay, so Brittle Star, the internet's favorite dad, will appreciate this. Um, I'm all out of the Tito's handmade vodka, and with the weather like this, I thought, you know what would be perfect? Some Malibu rum. Oh, okay. How but I'm you- missing... The other element, which would be the fruit juice. So I raided my daughter's collection of five alive tropical citrus fruit juices. <laughs> so you have a poor man's rum punch. Yeah. Two shots of Malibu rum and a kid's juice box. Brittlestar, what have you got? Uh, I'm enjoying a uh, delightful uh, Chilean wine because it's full-bodied and cheap, like myself. <laughs> All right. Sounds like we got a show. <laughs> From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now available in your grocer's dairy case. Ask for yours today. This is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Okay, it's late, but it's the Canada Day episode. <laughs> Four days late. Yeah, well... We'll look at our contribution to comedy and music. We were, we were busy doing other things. And, and we'll welcome the Internet's favorite dad, Stuart Reynolds. The man better known as Brittle Star joins us to talk about what it takes to make a viral video, the future of media, and the latest in Grand Marshal parade attire. He's doing way better than us. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. This past weekend, of course, the Big Canada Day long weekend, and so at geeksandbeats.com, we put together all things Canadiana, and of all the articles, the one that I love the most came from GNB writer Dr. Proximo, 
Now, he's not a doctor, but he does play one on the podcast. And it's all about Canadian humor. I didn't know this. SCTV was supposed to be about a small American TV station, but the CBC decided it didn't meet the Canadian content requirements and asked for at least two minutes of identifiable Canadian content in each show. And that's what got us Bob and Doug McKenzie's Great White North show. That's that's right. It was a loophole that needed to be filled. <laughs> and, and as a result, uh, there are still people across the United States that identify us with Bob and Doug. Good day. Welcome to Canadian Corner to Great White North. And look at this. I'm Bob McKenzie, and this is my brother Doug. And uh, this is Doug's new beer bottle. Look. Oh, take off, eh? It's got a baby bottle. Although it's not bad, eh? It's like a condensed version of a Saturday night. You have a little beer and a little of this. Look at him, man. He's loaded. Okay, today we're going to talk about our topic. And uh, the topic is uh, why the parking lots are so small. I'm having a beer shower here, eh? Oh, jeez. This little sucker. That won't be the first time. Okay, what's the topic? The topic is why are parking lots so small at donut places, okay? And, of course, because of the music bent to this podcast, he points out that in 1981, they did a spin-off album and Getty Lee sang the title track, Take Off. Yes. This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. That was a very huge top 40 hit all across Canada. And I remember uh, working in the radio business back then and people calling up to request that that particular song. Oh, beauty, go. Okay. Good day and welcome to our single. I'm Bob McKenzie and this is my brother Doug. How's it going, eh? Beauty, eh? Yeah, I like that. Okay. Okay. okay, everyone, this record was my idea. Get out! It was. You're lying. He posed it here just sort of rid on my coattail. Why are you doing this? It was our idea together, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. We agreed to, to say that, but... Oh, take off! Yeah, yeah, he's good. And you know, hey, ten bucks is ten bucks. <laughs> that, if, if you know what I'm talking about, um, that, that was yeah. That's just we, we hit the top forty in Canada. I'm oh, yeah. going to look it up and see if uh, Takeoff placed anywhere in the U.S. Oh, I doubt it. Holy crap! It sold a million copies in North America. 350,000 in Canada. So it was triple platinum from the Canadian Recording Industry Association. But if there was a million copies sold in North America, that means that the majority were actually sold in the United States. It peaked at number eight on the America Billboard 200 album chart. Oh, yeah, it was it was absolutely huge. That was one of America's greatest lessons in Canadiana. As Dr. Proximo goes through the whole Canadian contribution to comedy, uh, points out that uh, there was a spinoff movie in 93 for Strange Brew, of course. Mm-hmm. And then we got back in the spotlight in 97 in a big way with South Park and Terrence and Philip first appeared uh, back in uh, in that episode in well, September it was of that year. Two years later, we got the Oscar-nominated song Blame Canada. Weird Al Yankovic, straight out of Linwood, featured the uh, parody of Green Day's American Idiot, Canadian Idiot. Tomatoes in. They don't live on donuts and boots, beats, and they leave the house without packing. He never even bring their guns to the bar. 
Is anywhere on that list uh, Canadian Bacon, the Michael Moore comedy? No, we don't have that. Should okay. we? Was it really worth it? It was not a great movie, but it was Michael Moore's attempt at doing something other than a documentary, and it had, I think John Candy was in it, and the whole idea was America invading Canada. Well, making the rounds over the Canada Day weekend was that 2017 video by Brittle Star, the explaining Canada Day to Americans. Hey, neighbor. Oh, hi, America. What's with the decorations? It's Canada Day. We're having a little get-together. Canada Day? Yeah, um, kind of like July 4th for you guys. Yeah, but we do July 4th because we got lots of stuff to celebrate. We got Eagles and Freedom and KFC. What do you have to celebrate? Did you just say what do we have to celebrate? Yeah, I... Universal healthcare. So if you break your leg, you can still afford a snack while you wait in the ER. The metric system. But to be fair, everybody else has that except you. Maternity leave. Because we think if a woman carries around another human for nine months, she might need some time off. It's got 200,000 views. Oh, my God. It's got well more than that. Come on now. Come on now. I, I think we're... Do I have the number wrong? How many is it? Uh, I think we're over... I think on all platforms, we're over like 70 million now in total. 70, 70 million? million? Yeah. So making the rounds over the Canada Day weekend, the 2017 video by Brittle Star explaining Canada Day to Americans. I think that video got 11 billion views. But I first learned about him from the Canada response to the post G7 comments by the U.S. Did you see this one? No, I didn't. How's it going, eh? Sorry. Sorry. It's been a long few days. I'm living on nothing but poots and no sleep. I've been asked to deliver a response from the Canadian people to the remarks made by the President of the United States and some of his advisors. It was stated by the President's economic advisor that the Prime Minister, quote, stabbed us in the back. To that, we would like to say nonsense. We would never stab a friend in the back. Schwinnigan handshake? Sure. Halifax headlock? Maybe. Winnipeg wang snapper? No doubt. But stab a friend in the back? Never, eh? In addition, one of the president's trade advisors stated that there would be a, quote, special place in hell for the prime minister. In response to that, we say, it's pronounced hull. And the Gatineau region in Quebec is beautiful, especially in the fall, once the drunk Ontario 18-year-olds go home. Oh, my favorite part about this is the use of echo. I, it, it, I, if you've ever stood in the hallway, in the quarter outside of the, the House of Commons, the, the actual room, it has that. He nailed it. Stuart Reynolds, a.k.a. Brittle Star, was asked by the government of Canada to do a video this year for Canada Day. So the Internet's favorite dad joins us from his man cave in Stratford, Ontario. Good to have you with us. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. When you got a phone call, first of all, tell me it was Justin who called you directly. <laughs> no, I don't have that uh, that kind of connection. You know what I mean? I think that well, my wife actually went to school with him, and even she couldn't pull the connection. So Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She even went to a pool party at Sussex Drive. See, this is another defining difference between Canada and the United States. No one from the U.S. federal government would call somebody like you yeah. and say that, listen, we need some sort of patriotic statement that we could disseminate on YouTube and other social media platforms mm -hmm. explaining why we are so great. <laughs> 
So I have to ask, yeah. who approached you? What department were they from? Did the check clear? And how much was it for? <laughs> well, it, uh, it was the Department of Heritage, which uh, under their uh, services is culture as well. And uh, they contacted me and uh, they haven't paid a dime yet. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's so Canadian. And you know, they, somebody, somebody says, somebody's going to probably say, oh, yeah, I, I know we, we don't have any money for this, but you know, it'll be good for your image. It'll be good for your it'll good be exposure. Good for exposure. Well, one of their uh, negotiating tactics was, uh, as we're using taxpayers' money, we can only offer a very low amount. And I said, as a taxpayer, I think that's a great idea. Uh, as a guy who makes videos, I think it's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. So as a guy who makes videos, I, I notice a stark contrast between, you know, neighbors explaining Canada Day to Americans versus what you put out in 2018. Mm -hmm. What were some of the ideas that a bureaucrat on Parliament Hill went, mm, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think so. They were, they were pretty good to work with, actually. They, one of the things they kept saying is, and that sort of actually, you know, as Alan said in the very Canadian way, they were like, you know, we, they, they said, you know, we, we don't want to make, we don't want to step on your artistic uh, freedom here. We want to make sure that you're, you're doing something that's true to your voice. Um, and they didn't really have anything, they didn't, they didn't want me to do any America bashing. They didn't want me to do anything, um, you know, that wasn't going to be seen as friendly and happy. Happy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they initially wanted me to do streeters, like sort of like talking to people on the street, just in general, like just randomly talking like to people, talking to Americans but Canadians. Yeah, exactly. Hi, I'm Governor Mike Huckabee of Arkansas, wanting to say congratulations, Canada, on preserving your national igloo. Thank you, Governor. Thanks for being part of 22 minutes. Thank you. The most watched news team in Canada. Excellent. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Rick Mercer. That's great and stuff. But I, I don't want to do Rick Mercer stuff. Plus, I said, uh, you know, I, I watched a bunch of that stuff when they asked me to do it. And I said, you know, the, the, the joke in those videos is always the person who's being interviewed. Like that, the straight guy with the microphone kind of mocks the person being interviewed. I said, that's not going to be a good candidate thing. Yeah. So they were really easy to work with. I said, you know, what we'll do is we'll make this script instead. And uh, we're going to get a whole bunch of people around Parliament Hill. And we'll talk to them there and uh, get them to see these lines as they sort of fit and then edit them all together. And it'll be kind of a, a true sort of cultural mosaic. You know, both of our wives, Michael's wife and my wife, we both were, they both work for the provincial government. And the amount of risk aversion, Michael, is that? that I think risk aversion <laughs> is a very respectful way to describe it. They both mm. come home, you know, with their eyes on fire, screaming about, you know, how things would be so much easier if people weren't so risk averse to doing the right thing. Mm. You know what, though? That, that's not limited. That is not limited to government either. No, no, no it's not. You know very well, it, it, us in mainstream media, the number of times I banged my head against a wall with an idea because there was the risk it might offend one person. Sure. Right. So so this leads to my question. I can't imagine the people at Heritage who had entrusted you with this, how how nervous they might have been because of this this idea, this this notion of risk aversion. Yeah, I mean there's definitely a little bit of that. Uh, you know, I think that the timeline because it was so rapid it was like literally within the space of about a week and a half so there I mean that's way faster than the government can operate so there was only so much they could do um 
and definitely that risk aversion isn't just in government, though. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, it's like right back to the, that Explaining Canada Day to Americans video. There was originally a stanza in there about uh, about uh, not being able to buy Kinder eggs in America, but you can buy guns everywhere. Hold it. Wait a second. Who who, who commissioned that uh, that video? So that video last year was commissioned by KFC. They? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So KFC actually hired, actually had the script written, and, and uh, their agency contacted me and said, you know, would you like to turn this into a KFC video? And I was, I was like, well, what, are you, what are you talking about? That's Kentucky fried chicken. That's not, it's not Canadian fried chicken <laughs> with a K. It's not Halifax fried chicken. Exactly. And uh, they said, yeah, yeah, but uh, Colonel Sanders actually lived in Canada in Mississauga. And I was like, all right, I can work he with did? that. did? Yeah. I mean, I saw the video and I, I, really? Where in Mississauga and what was he doing here for 25 years? It's super interesting because he, uh, I think it was 65 to 80, if I remember correctly, and he, he had sold his chain in the States, and then he moved, he kept his chain in Canada and moved to Mississauga so he could keep an eye on the Canadian franchises. Is that Yum Brands or whatever? Uh, I think it is Yum now. Yeah. 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 And, uh, but it was, oh, it was John Bitov, wasn't it, back then? I think it was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah, so he moved to Mississauga, and he actually died in Mississauga as well. He did? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know what they say. It's kind of like Florida. <laughs> Go retire to Mississauga. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, apparently. Oh, my God. You know, okay, so I, I end up Colonel Sanders, and the third thing that comes up in the Google search bar is Colonel Sanders, Mississauga. Yeah. There you know. And there is a uh, site here from the Toronto is called a finger good looking, miss, finger licking good Mississauga Colonel. There you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Can you imagine seeing that guy in Mississauga? Like no. just at square one or something? Just no. Just like on the mall? <laughs> Still wearing the white outfoot? Yeah. Going to Le Chateau or something? Well, you, you need some new white sneakers. <laughs> he, he lived at 1337 Melton Drive in Mississauga. <laughs> oh, let me look this up. 1335. What was it? It's a big red and white house. It's circular. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Internet's favorite dad will appreciate this then. My father, very much like the dad in the Calvinist. In Hobbes strip, mm. you know, always telling Calvin stuff that was patently false, just yeah. to screw with his kid. <laughs> My dad, one day, we're driving past. I had to have been about five at the time, driving past a Kentucky Fried Chicken back before it was KFC and the rebranding, and they had the giant signs out front that were in the shape of a bucket that spun. Yeah. I think I've told this story on the show once before. And my dad told me, well, that's where they keep the chickens. <laughs> I said, what? What do you mean that's where they keep the chickens? And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see the, the hatch on the underside? I said, yeah. Well, of course, as adults, we recognize that's where the guy goes in to change the broken light bulbs. But he says, no, well, see, they, they keep it spinning so that they're so that they get all dizzy. And then when they need a chicken, they just pull the flap down and one falls out and he's too dizzy to run away. That's so dark. Wow. And I believed that for years. And I had to have been about 21 years old when I was driving past a KFC that still had the old style thing. And I looked at it and I had an immediate flash. Now, I'm not saying I believed that they kept the chickens in the KFC spinning buckets, but it was one of those little facts that I just filed in the back of my head and didn't think about after that until years later. Did he ever threaten to put you in the bucket? Like if you're this, like you don't want to end up in the bucket. No, no, no. But no, but we 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 never stopped at Kentucky Fried Chicken. We we were never allowed to stop. Oh, you don't want Kentucky Fried Chicken. When, when the bucket's spinning, that means they're out of chicken <laughs> because they have to make them dizzy again so they can catch new ones. <laughs> that night in Toronto. 
Okay, so let me ask you this. If you are the Internet's favorite dad, how is it mm. that I don't see any evidence whatsoever that you have children anywhere on the Internet? <laughs> You know, it's because we've been doing this for uh, full time for five years now, and our kids were like super cute and young and little, and now they're sixteen and nineteen. <laughs> the yard apes became monsters, and they're they're not saleable anymore. Hold on, you've been doing this full time for yeah. five years. Yeah. How the hell in this country are you able to swing that financially? Hey, where do you live, Brittle Star? <laughs> Downtown Toronto? <laughs> I'm afraid Stratford, Ontario. It's the cachet of the theater town is what it is. Um, yeah, no, we've been doing it for five years full time. And it's just we've been super, you know, our timing was great at the beginning. And uh, we worked for a ton of American brands creating uh, content here in Canada for like, you know, like for Disney and all that kind of stuff, NBC Universal, all that kind of stuff in the States. I think it's because, uh, you know, our kids were certainly cute when they, when they were younger, um, but we still had kind of like, I always say to people, it, the stuff we would create as a family was kind of like uh, when you watch National Lampoon's Vacation on television. So they'd be like, no swearing and no boobs. That's basically sort of the, the family comedy that we offer. So Right. And you don't want that. You need the boobs. You need the swearing. That's right. <laughs> well, to hold my attention anyway. <laughs> well, I understand. That's why you're not familiar with the videos. So this past this past Canada Day, you were the 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 the, mar, the grand marshal yeah. at at a what uh, at the uh, Canada Day festivities in Wilmot Township, which is about thirty minutes from where I live here in Stratford. So near, did like, they give you a sash? Yes, yes, yes. You didn't know. I I watched the. Uh, the morning show, the uh, this morning show thing, and I, I saw the sash. It's a it's a nice it's it's an official sash. It's an official sash. It's uh, printed on both sides, and it's got a lovely rosette with the official logo on it. Uh, they treated me very well. I'm not sure exactly why they chose me because it seemed like nobody else who was there as a dignitary or a representative had any idea why I was there. The woman from the Oktoberfest said to me, "Did you win a contest?" <laughs> 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 you may be the oldest YouTube internet star <laughs> that, you know, that the, the mainstream does not know anything about. At 40. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a little niche there. There's a niche market there, I think. You know what I mean? Well, I, I don't know if it's so niche. I, I think there's this huge number of people who make a living or at least have some sort of notoriety online that is mm -hmm. beyond the purview of the mainstream media. Nobody, sure. nobody knows about it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm watching your morning show thing and I'm thinking, and I, I tell you, I, I guarantee you that if I were to show it to any number of people who worked in regular terrestrial radio who were looking for a morning show. Oh, yeah. They would go, what, huh? Who yeah. is this guy? Why can't we hire him? Yeah. Television, the same sort of thing. You know, I think your wife is acting as the co-host slash switcher and director during all of that. That's correct. You've built a, a little niche for yourself. It was, we had this little um, misunderstanding about the total video views, and you're like, don't look at YouTube, look at Facebook. Yeah. One thing that I've been trying to wrap my head around is I try to reinvent myself, I suppose to a, a similar degree as you. you know, sure. You've got no strings attached to mainstream media with what you do, uh, is distribution. That always seems to be the big thing. When, whenever I'm in a, in a boardroom and I'm talking to anybody about what they're doing or what they they need to do, it always comes back to, well, how are we going to get this in front of eyeballs? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, the uh, the platforms have changed, like social media platforms, video platforms, online platforms, whatever you want to, you want to refer to them as, have, 
changed so drastically in the past five years. And, uh, you know, for us, I mean, for some of people we know and our, our peers and colleagues as such, they do super well on YouTube. Um, they're usually younger than us. They're just a different demographic than us. But for us, it was like, you know what? Uh, people who are in our demo who are slightly older, more uh, sort of, you know, actual grownups, they're not really necessarily like searching out what we're doing online and it's hard for them to share it from there. However, they are on Facebook and that's what they are and they're going to find it there. He's basically a local George Clooney (laughs) and I hate him so much for that. It's constantly changing. I mean, I was I started on Vine and uh, the six and a half second looping video platform. And that's how we first kind of got our big break and ended up doing our first gig with Disney like in 2013. And uh, I mean, we built up to 1.2 million followers on that and then it just went away. So you have to keep re- reinventing yourself. Well, that's the problem with relying on somebody else's platform. Totally. Because something like Vine or Periscope or Meerkat or something can you know, come in very, very quickly and then disappear. I mean, look at Snapchat. I yeah. mean, Snapchat's pretty much done and everybody's moved to, to Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I was in California last week at a Facebook creator, their first Facebook creator event, and uh, they are pushing so hard with Instagram stories and IGTV and uh, Facebook just in general as a creator platform to go and create, you know, for their Facebook watch uh, platform in the States and elsewhere. And uh, you just kind of have to, uh, for us, it's always been a case of, we have to work on creating stuff that we can kind of take anywhere whenever we have to take it. So we're on a bunch of platforms. And I think it's sort of the best way to do it. Um, you know, I think we were super loyal to Vine when it was here and that uh, that didn't pay off for us. So we we learned our lesson from that and got burned and moved on. Yeah, I don't think Facebook's going anywhere. I don't think Instagram's going anywhere. Not for a while anyway, yeah. And there are a couple of other platforms. Um, you know, Twitter, I was at uh, the Twitter offices last week, and they're doing these short-form videos now mm-hmm. um, that they are creating to sell to advertisers, much what, much like what you're doing. And and so I, I would imagine that there are going to be a whole bunch of new Twitter stars who are who are, you know, Twitter video stars. Yeah, I we, I was talking about this yesterday, actually, or not yesterday, the day before, with a friend who was I'd met doing social video and stuff, and saying how you know the timing was just so good. Uh, whenever whatever platform, whatever you're doing, if the timing's right, that's key. If the audience is on that platform for whatever reason, it's brand new or whatever the reason is, um, and if you're there creating stuff, I mean that you can't get better. It's like the perfect storm for success. There, it's it's a case of being in the right place at the right time. Okay, I'm going to come back to the question of money, not because I want to be rude, but because I'm, I'm genuinely interested. Yeah. You know, how do you set your rates? This is such uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. And somebody comes to you, Disney comes to you, or, you know, Department of Heritage comes to you, or, or somebody comes to you. How do you say, okay, this is going to cost you this much? Let me guess what I think the answer is, because I think it's this. <laughs> okay, you go first. The, the answer is the same answer that I was given when I asked that question of what I'm doing, and that is it all depends on how much the client can pay. Yeah, there's definitely a sliding scale depending on what you're doing. I mean, if there's some stuff that no, will... no, no. My, my point is that it's not what you're doing as much as it's okay. Disney, mm-hmm. you can pony up. Yeah. Um, the the local community council that needs you to act as a grand marshal, mm-hmm. not so much. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's what I mean in the sense that for us, it's a bit of a sliding scale because we'll look at what the the campaign or the project is and decide if we really want to do it. And then there's all those factors of like, you know, is this a slightly risky campaign for us to do? If we do, if we work with this brand or this organization, is that maybe going to alienate some of our current demographic? Well, maybe that means the price has to go a lot higher to make it, you know, offset that risk. And also, if it's something that we really jo- enjoy or support or like, whatever, it's a case of, yeah, we'll work with whatever budget you have. We did stuff for uh, uh, Spread the Net recently, and that was a good example of that. It was like they didn't have a huge budget, but it's like, yeah, we, we're into this. This is a great thing to help out with, so we're happy to do it. Hey, you're not watching the morning show thing. You're watching a produced video produced we partner with plan international canada and spread the net to raise ten thousand dollars and save a whole bunch of kids ten thousand dollars is a lot of money yes isn't it yes but if we spread it out kind of like a net (laughs) right and everyone does a little bit yeah we can probably reach it yeah but we have some goals in mind though once we reach a thousand dollars pie in the face each okay $2,000, I'll wear every shirt I own at the same time for an episode of the Morning Show thing. You'll wear every cardigan you own at the same time, which is like two cardigans. (gasps) 20. 20? Once we reach $3,000, we'll do the show dressed as cartoon characters. Dibs on Pikachu. At $10,000, Shannon is going to wax my chest. I have a lot of things to offer here. Chest. Not, not so long. Warm and fuzzy. It'll, it'll be the ones around the nipples that'll hurt the most. <gasps> no! So you do your own negotiations? Yeah, and you know what's really interesting and really funny to me is that uh, because both of our boys, Owen and Gregor, uh, Gregor the youngest, uh, Owen the oldest, when uh, they were both on Vine, they both, uh, Gregor still does a lot of stuff on Musical.ly and other platforms as well and does all of his own brand deals, all of his own campaign deals. How old is he? He is 16 Jesus. I know. And here's the thing, though, is like when he was 12, we were driving into uh, Toronto and uh, I could hear him in the back seat and he's on the phone. He's got his phone. He's on the phone and he's negotiating a deal. He's like, Dad, he goes, hang on, Dad, what do you think of uh, $3 CPM? I think I should push it to six. And I was like, "Uh, "Okay, sure, whatever you want to do. That sounds great. And uh, he then said six and got the deal. So twice as much as he would have got if I was, I mean, I'm, when I'm negotiating, I'm thinking like, what's mortgage? Okay. What's the electricity bill? Yeah. He's like, I don't, I don't get this. Who cares? I'm 12, whatever. <laughs> Can we hire him as our business manager? <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. It didn't always work out. I'm sure he'd miss some mortgage payments, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he's, it's just always amazed me that he can do that. See, this, this is the problem that I always have. And I'll be very upfront about this is people will come to me and they'll ask me to do a certain thing. And my first thing is, oh, don't tar- charge too much because you won't get anything at all. They'll just drop you. Yeah. But then uh, I, I'll throw out a number and they'll, they'll go, okay. And I was like, ah, damn, I could have yeah. got more than that. Well, that was the story I told you about when I jumped from radio to TV and the TV guy asked me how much I was being paid at my current radio job and I literally doubled the figure and he didn't blink. Yes. Well, that's radio to TV. Uh, so that, that's your, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so as the, the man who led as the Grand Marshal of the Wilmot Canada Day festivities, you clearly have credibility and authority <laughs> when it comes to the top 20 songs to celebrate Canada Day. Starting off the top of the list, of course, three songs from everybody's favorite Canadian band, The Tragically Hip. No one's going to dispute Weak Kings, Bob Cajun, or 50 Mission Cap. Bell the real go disappear. 
Sloan, the rest of my life. Oh, for sure, right? Because the reference about I'll be living in Canada. Yeah, I think that was one of those things where I mean, I think you know, I love the hip, absolutely love the hip. They're fantastic. Um, that sounded super Trump, didn't it? I thought it was terrible. We take that back. <laughs> They're fantastic. I love them. Um, the but, best, the best. But I mean, you know, everyone loves the hip and. Sloan, I think that when they did that tune and it came out, it was like, oh yeah, this is kind of cool. Like these guys, I think they're pretty cool and they're, they're singing about how they're going to stay here. Okay. Well, that makes me feel better about staying here too. So I like it for that. One thing I know about the rest of my life. I know that I'll be living in Canada. I know I said I'll share the rest of my days, but I was only going I did the same kind of list uh, for global news as part of my weekly column. Do you want to? Do you want to see what I've got on my list? I'm, I'm just going to. Uh, no, 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 no. What? This is not about you. <laughs> this is about Krista and uh, Krista. All right, fine. Uh, Krista Sampson right, and Krista Holmes okay. teamed up to compile this list. All right, shut up. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we're going to do both. So I'm going to go with this list. and I, 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 You're I'll, just going to edit out your half. <laughs> well, you're not going to edit out because mine's going to be better. Um, hang on. We're, okay, where's... Uh... Wow. Way to alienate the team. Hang on. I've got the link. I've got the link. God. Um, no, it doesn't. Oh, no, yeah. No, that's not the... Okay. Have a look at Canadian vinyl behavior. Where is it? I put Oh, here it, it is. In. I got it. Never mind. I have it. Will you go yell at a cloud or something? <laughs> uh, okay, we Kings, Bob Cajun, 15 Mission Camp, Sloan, Stompin' Tom Connors with the hockey song. It was okay, a bit uh, cliche, but okay. Don't you dare say Tom Cochran's life is a highway. <laughs> no, I won't do that. 
The old apartment, okay, uh, Sarah Harmer, Janine Keller. The old apartment one really threw me for a loop. Um, it did, except when you consider that Stephen Page was singing about an apartment that he once had on the Danforth. It, no, it was a house he bought on the Danforth. Whatever, on the Danforth. No, no, no I'll tell you why it, it's a big deal for me, because when, that, when this song came out and they had the video that went with it, I almost fell on the floor. It was like they had ripped my life out and put it on TV. The video has this one shot of the, the the guy and the girl. He's singing about the guy being you know, the guy who bought the old house on the Danforth. And it's they've clearly loaded up the, the this man and a woman on a flatbed truck, and they're just sort of cruising them along um, this, this stretch of back streets behind Danforth Avenue. And I swear to God, it was like it was me and my girlfriend who had just bought a house south of the Danforth. I will prove it to you. I'm going to send you the photos. Okay. Okay. So what? This is like being ca- captured on Google Street View. <laughs> it's like they called Central Casting looking for versions of us. Oh, all right. You look nothing like Stephen Page. No, no, I, I know, I know. Okay, so here is here is the the file, and I'm sending it to your phones. All right, I got it. Okay, okay. this is a clip from the actual fi- uh, video. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's the guy. You look like that? No, he doesn't. <laughs> there's me. And there's my girlfriend who I bought a house on the Danforth with. Huh. It was the weirdest thing. Huh. It would have been even weirder had they gone past your, your, your house. Well, that's one block over from my house. I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. Okay, I'm going to give you that. That's actually pretty close. That's pretty creepy, isn't it? You should get some sort of cut. You know what's even creepier? Is if you listen to the lyrics... It's really not very pro-relationship. The line goes, she loves me and her body keeps me warm. I'm happy here. Mm. Uh, That that pretty much summed up that relationship.
Well, and until that was no longer the case. And if anybody's ever been in and that'll do relationship, they know it uh, doesn't do forever. Yeah, better than a bottle of Jurgens and some tissue, right? Oh, great. Thanks. Now i got to put a disclaimer off the top of the show. It's just a part of life. Okay, so of all of these other ones, which one are you going to go for then? Um, oh, and of course, I would just close the, the browser here. Hang Why don't on. you go for Tanya Tagat's Frostbite? There are no lyrics. She's a throat singer. Tanya Tagak, by the way. Tanya Tagak. Uh, and I'm going to go... No, I'm going to go with Ian and Sylvia Titus with Four Strong Winds because I think that is probably one of the most Canadian songs ever written. What are you, a hundred? <laughs> Four strong winds that blow lonely Seven seas that run high All those things that don't change Come what may Listen, I just finished teaching a course in Canadian music history at Humber College, and we spent an awful lot of time talking about CanCon in the 1960s, and we spent most of that time talking about even Ian and Sylvia doing Four Strong Winds. All right, Stuart, do you have a turntable? I do. Yeah. Really? You're one of them? Yeah. Oh, stop. According to Nielsen Canada, the 2017 year-end music reports, 2017 in Canada saw an increase in vinyl sales for the seventh straight year, up almost 22% over the year before. But of the top 10 uh, stacks and stacks of red-hot wax that were sold, only one Canadian band made the top 10 list, Arcade Fire. Mm. Yeah, because they ended up giving away records with concert tickets. That's why. And that counted towards the sales. So, in other words, what you're saying is that if it wasn't for that, no Canadian band would have made it onto the top ten list. Uh, probably not. Not given uh, the problem that we're having in this country pressing up records because of a shortage of pressing plants. More plants are coming online. It's becoming easier for a lot of bands to, to get their vinyl out there, but it's been a difficult uh, situation up until now. By the way... 22% year over year at the end of 2017. You know what the figure was last last week? What's that? Year over year, 74%. To what do we attribute this? When you're dealing with percentages, you're dealing with a bit of voodoo there because it still only means 400 and some odd thousand vinyl records were sold in Canada uh, or have been sold in Canada so far this year compared to six point something million CDs. So there's a huge gap. But... Um, People are people are getting away from CDs because they're dropping at about 20% year over year. Uh, and digital downloads are dropping about 25% year over year. So if you want some kind of uh, physical manifestation of your music, you're going for vinyl. All right, Brittle Star. Do you own a vinyl pressing of Arcade Fire's Everything Now? I don't. I don't. Do you own the number one on the chart... Ed Sheeran's Divide. I don't. Do you own number two on the list, which is perpetually number two on the list, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd? I, I proudly don't. Proudly? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been our guest. <laughs> Smiles will give and 
the guys I went to high school with, like that, sort of like they were like five years older than me when I was heading into grade nine, and they were in grade thirteen as it was back in the day. They were all into the Who, and they were all into uh, Pink Floyd, and it was like, ugh, no, thank you. I'm going to stick to New Order. Oh, wait a minute, is all your vinyl New Order? Is it synth pop? I have a ton of New Order vinyl, a ton of it. Yeah, it's four songs remixed ninety six thousand times. <laughs> That's right. The, Bel- the Belgian version of Temptation. The American version, the UK version, exactly, exactly. Well, so much for your authority. You just got a evaporator <laughs> right then and there. Okay, we're now we're going to talk about my CanCon list. I'm just going to give you three songs. I I wrote a, a yeah, thing. Stuart, you, you can take off now if you want. We're not, none of this is going to make it into the show. You sit right there. Okay. Do not move. All right. Okay. What I did was I put together a list of ten songs from the CanCon graveyard from the 70s and 80s when Canadian content was considered to be a necessary evil for keeping uh, your radio is license. Is it all Ian Murray? Don't tell no, me it's all no, no, Ian Murray. No, 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 no. I'm going to give you. Okay. Here's the top five. Ugh. And you know that you have been working in radio too long when you recognize any of these songs. You ready? Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Okay, number five, Frank Soda and the Imps with High Times. No. No. No? Okay. Uh, they were big on uh, Good Rockin' Tonight. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> Jerry Cott and Alphabet Town. Wow. Swing and a miss strike two. No, he was a member of the, the Boomtown Rats. Oh. Who left the group in 1982, emigrated to Canada, put on an EP, and ended up with a CanCon hit in about 1984. Do you remember the band Cats Can Fly? Yes. Of course, yes. With Flippin' to the A-Side? Yes. Yep. They uh, were actually, well, that was a hit. I think they... It was a big hit. Oh, yeah. The reason they got their record contract is because they won a sort of a battle of the band talent contest that was sponsored by, ready for this, Craven A Cigarettes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Street Girl? No. <laughs> oh, huge hit. 1981-ish. That was Michael and his girlfriend's names when they had the, the place in the Danforth. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my number one was, my number one was Thor and Keep the Dogs Away. <gasps> Thor. I had the same singing teacher as Thor. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. From Vancouver? Uh, she was uh, Ro- uh, uh, Patricia Burns or Rosemary Burns. She, she had a stage name. And she, uh, EMI actually, set me up with her. And that was her claim to fame. Well, the two claims to fame. One is that she had performed at the Ed Sullivan Show. And the other was that uh, Thor was her other current student. <laughs> <laughs> If anybody wants that, just email me and I'll, I'll give you my entire list. It's it's really quite oh, funny. Oh, man. Oh, tease. Sweet misery. There's another one. Stuart, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. That was fun. Stuart Reynolds is Brittle Star. The Internet's favorite dad joined us from his rumpus room in Stratford, Ontario. A rumpus room? Rumpus room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the 1950s. You know, where your playlist came from. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Okay, see you guys. 
London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. We have no new co-producer. Not only that, the well has run dry on a <laughs> siphoning 25 bucks a week at a Jason Bierke. Oh, okay. So this is going to be a fallow week. Yes. I think it took about three or four episodes of us saying not only is he the co-producer by donating 25 bucks an episode via the Patreon account, but he did not set a lifetime limit. So it would continue <laughs> to ding him every time we put out an episode. I think he finally got caught up. So I think the secret to our financial success is to... Shut up. <laughs> well, for, yeah. well, no, we have to tell people. But the point is, is that maybe he's two or three episodes behind. So it's the back Ooh. catalog that's keeping us in the money. <laughs> okay. We also have no new interns. If you would like to be a member of the world's worst intern program, you go to geeksandbeats.com, click the support the show link. What makes it the world's worst, of course, is you pay us to work on the show a dollar or more. Don't do any actual work. And all we do is say thank you here. You know what happened? It was the end of school. Uh, it was a long weekend. It was too hot in many parts of Canada. So uh, we'll give everybody a pass. We have a question that we put out last week, and we got crickets in response to it. So I'm going to put it out again, because I don't want to put the effort into this if nobody gives a rat's ass. <laughs> Should we have a Facebook Live show on my back deck? Oh, yeah. Now, here's the neat thing. Our, our show um, executive producer, Vanessa Azoli, through her day job, has something called a Mevo. Do you know what I'm talking about? A Mevo? No. It's a little camera. It's about the size of a shot glass. It's got a, a, a fisheye lens on it. But what it does is it takes that warped barrel distorted fisheye image, this video, and it takes the barrel distortion out. But then that creates a massive image and it allows you to zoom in on certain areas of the massive image um, such that it feels like it's a multi-camera shoot. Oh, right. Fine. Go ahead. Let's do it. So if we plug that into the Inertron and then just sit on, on the back deck, we might be able to actually do a whole show. Okay. Uh, you're the tech guy. You go ahead and do it. Um, and and let's, uh, let's set up a date. Okay. So this comes back down to the date. Let, let's just do it. Just uh, don't ask anybody. Just do it. Wait, wait. Listen, did you not hear a word Brittle well, Star was telling us? I, I, you, you've got you to promote the hell out of this sort of stuff. And you've got to do it on a... We'll do it. We'll do it on a Sunday evening. We'll do it properly. Uh, when we to when we um, do all our other stuff, and and just pick a date, and we'll we'll work on the uh, the promotion. In the dead of summer, when no one's around to watch. It doesn't have to be the dead of summer. It could be towards the end of August. Isn't that the dead of summer? No, no, dead of summer is the middle two weeks, like at the end of July and the beginning of August. With that thirty-three degree weather, uh, how are you doing with that puddle around the foot oh, of your chair? I, I have um, I have swamp butt. Oh, thanks for sharing. You're welcome. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. Okay, don't worry about the numbers. It's just <laughs> They're only places. numbers. All oh, right. my God, they're numbers. They're only numbers. Sorry, it's an inside BNN okay. joke. Uh, all right, yeah. so. Uh, the Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.